This is OTR Rob welcoming you to Richard Diamond, Private Detective, and the block of Richard D Diamond, Private Detective shows, which is Richard Diamond, Private Detective, The Adventures of Rocky Jordan, and this week, Boston Blackie. And I just thought I would remind everyone that we have, or are, moving away and out of Potomatic. That means that you're going to be able to hear the five networks of the Buck Benny Radio Network over on Anchor and Spotify. So I really strongly suspect, suggest <laughs> that you grab a hold of Spotify because we'll be there. And you can find us at Jack Benny Show OTR Podcast. The Judy Garland and Friends OTR Podcast, Strange New Worlds of Dimension X Minus One Podcast, Jack Benny TV Program Podcast, Mad Marvel Mayhem Podcast, and the Rod Serling Podcast will all be on Spotify. So I really hope that you will download Spotify and stay up with us as we continue moving forward into the future. And of course, you can still donate. Just email Buck Benny and he'll tell you how you can donate to the podcast. We really need your support during this time. So enjoy these shows, Richard Diamond, Private Detective, from January 12th, 1951. The episode is entitled The Maryland Connor Case. And The Adventures of Rocky Jordan from 1950, January 8th, Smokescreen. And this week, Boston Blackie from 1946, March 6th, Designer Pierre. Enjoy all of these shows, and I'll see you all back here next week, God willing, and the creeks don't rise. The makers of Camel Cigarettes present Dick Powell as Richard Diamond, Private Detective. <laughs> What 
cigarette do you smoke, doctor? That question was asked of doctors in every branch of medicine, doctors in all parts of the country. What cigarette do you smoke, doctor? The brand name most was Camel. Yes, according to this recent nationwide survey, more doctors smoke Camels than any other cigarette. Make your own Camel 30-day test, the sensible cigarette test, and see how mild, how flavorful, how thoroughly enjoyable camels are. Here transcribed is Richard Diamond, Private Detective, starring Dick Powell. Yes? Oh, Mr. Diamond, come in, sir. Well, thank you, Francis. How's the pantry Einstein tonight? Oh, oh, my goodness, sir. That was a dandy. Oh, you like that, huh? Oh, yes, sir. Well, <laughs> chuckle along and tell Miss Asher sweet and frostbitten is downstairs. Right away, sir. I'll be in the study. Yes, sir. The snow is snowing. The wind is blowing. But I can weather the storm. Why do I care how much it may storm? I've got my love to keep me warm. Hi. Hi. What's new? Nothing with me. I want to know about you. Uh, nothing much with me either, honey. What have you been doing for the last couple of days? Mm, case. Oh. Got a nice big fat retainer. Oh. Yeah, oh. Look at the eyes light up. Well, I'm happy for you. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't want your money. But now that I'm independently wealthy, you figure you don't have to feed me anymore. Rick. Don't have to take me to any more shows. Stake me to an occasional chocolate malt. Oh, don't be silly. You know I don't mind. Just because I made a couple of hundred dollars. A couple of hundred dollars? Stop kissing my hand. Rick. You idiot. I have tickets for the ballet tomorrow night. Dinner at 21 after the show. Oh, Rick. <laughs> Afterwards, we neck. I love you. Of course. Now, I suppose you want to hear all about the case. Well, not unless you want to. Well, as long as it's optional. If you're too tired, some other time. It all started three days ago. You don't really have to. I can hear about it any time. I was sitting in my office. You don't have to put yourself Oh, up. shut up, woman. <laughs> as I was saying, the whole thing started three days ago. I was sitting in my office reading Gaylord Hauser and soaking my feet in a tub of blackstrap molasses when the door opened and then walked six feet of mink cape wrapped around five and a half feet of what little girls are made of. I remember thinking about the sugar and spice and everything nice, and even with the mink cape covering most of it, I decided that this little girl could have given a bee farm a nervous breakdown. Mr. Diamond? You have been reading the sign on the door. I'd like to hire you. Well, I'd like you to. I'll charge a hundred a day in expenses. I want protection. From what? My husband. What's the matter? Can't he stand the pace? He's getting out of prison at five o'clock this afternoon, and he's threatened to make trouble. I think you better tell me the whole thing, Miss... Uh, uh, Connors. Marilyn Connors. Uh, okay. Uh, who's your husband? His name's Joe Connors. Oh. You know him? Helped send him up ten years ago. Armed robbery, wasn't it? Yes. He hasn't served all of his time, but he's being paroled. Go ahead. Well, since Joe was sent up, I had to find work. A man Joe used to work for gave me a job in his club. Martin Cope? Yes. Do you know him? Slightly. We're hating acquaintances. Mr. Cope has been very wonderful to me. I'm sure he has. I don't think I like that. Your husband doesn't either, huh? You're very blunt, aren't you? 
like the front of a streetcar. I don't like your boss, and I don't like your husband. I think it's better that you know now before you make any investments and then have to fire me. You're the best private detective in New York. Only because I'm brilliant, shrewd, and loaded with talent. <laughs> and a little ridiculous. Oh, sure. Add that on and just think what you're getting for a lousy hundred a day in expenses. Even though you don't like Joe and Mr. Cope, you'll still take the job? Look, uh, Mrs. Connors, I- I've been honest with you about your husband and Cope. I never let personalities interfere in my business. A job's a job. Besides, I'm starving to death. She gave me a slow smile, complete with a high fever, handed me a retainer, and swayed out of the office like Mata Hari leaving an atomic research stag party. We agreed to meet again at four o'clock, so I spent the next hour on the roof, relaxing in three feet of snow, and around four o'clock, walked my frozen blood pressure down to Martin Cope's nightclub. The only king-size safe decorated by Bergdorf Goodman, complete with an intellectual piano player, a $15 minimum, and enough intrigue to make a Senate investigation look like a taffy pole. Ask me, I could write a the girl who had been to my office earlier was standing on the edge of the empty dance floor rehearsing a song while the piano player was trying his best to overdo the accompaniment. I grabbed a chair and sat down to listen. Nothing wrong. Look, if you'd like to do a single, why don't you say so? You're unhappy? When you're playing for me, I would appreciate it if you just backed me up quietly, simply. Stop hating our table. Darling, I'd be happy to do anything you say except for one thing. Yes? You can't sing. Why, you anemic excuse for a musician. You couldn't get a song right if you ran it through a player piano. Temper, darling. You listen to me, Bernie. I put up with you for a long time. You put up with me? Yes, with you. Oh. I've let you mess me up night after night. You did that all by your little lonesome, honey. You just better remember who's paying your bills, honey. I get out here and break my neck to try and give a good show. Don't you get cute with me. You better wise up, Buster, or you're going to end up playing for your meal down on Skid Row. They kept going round and round. And about the time the piano player looked like he might possibly throw caution to the wind and stamp his foot, a door opened at the other side of the room, and Martin Cope, big-time gambler and owner of the club, walked over to the piano. Look, if you two insist on raising the roof, take it to the back room where nobody can hear you. I'm sorry, Martin, but Bernie just wasn't... Mr. Cope, I can assure you that it wasn't... You stay out of this. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, I'm sorry. You two can kick the walls in when I'm not in my office, but honey, when I've got work to do... It won't happen again. What's the matter? Who's that? Who? Sitting over there. Well, I'm surprised, Cope. I thought you'd spot my blue eyes. Oh, it's Mr. Diamond. Diamond? Yes, he he says you know each other. Diamond, the private detective? Sure. You remember, Cope, all those times down at the precinct, playing 20 questions. What are you doing here? I got tired of talking to nice people. Beat it. I asked Mr. Diamond here, Martin. You did? Well, I know you're not worried about Joe, but I am. And you had this stupid gum show? Temper, temper. Mr. Diamond's supposed to be the best private detective in the business. Says who? Well, I did mention it a few hundred times. Did Sloan put you up to this, honey? Martin, with Joe getting out this afternoon... I told I... you not to worry about Joe. Did Sloan tell you to hire yourself a bodyguard? He thought it would be a good idea. He did, huh? Everybody's got a good idea. Nobody thinks I know what I'm doing. I just happen to run the place. Sloan was thinking about you, Martin. Yeah, but I'll give him something to really think about. Now, Martin... No, I'm tired of the whole mess. Everybody's scared stiff of a two-bit punk who's getting out of stir. 
Hiring an ex-cop who couldn't protect an old lady from a boy scout. Have you been tested for rabies lately? Look, Diamond. Martin, I'm afraid of what Joe might do. Oh, but hiring a private cop and to top it off, you got to pick this one. Look, uh, uh, Mrs. Connors, I don't want to cause a lot of trouble. Well, you're trying real hard. Maybe you'd better just take your retainer and we'll forget the whole thing. That is the only bright thing you've ever come up with, Mr. Diamond. How about it, uh, Mrs. Connors? Well, you keep the retainer, Mr. Diamond, but... Maybe under the circumstances, it would be better... Sure, keep the money, Diamond. Go buy yourself a new joke book. I don't want it. But I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll donate it to your restaurant's hospital fund, Cope. We haven't got one. That's the trouble with you, Cope. No vision. You should always have a little insurance in case of a bad accident. I left the club with Martin Cope, stretched out on the dance floor, and Marilyn Connors looking too startled to say much. Bernie, the piano player, accompanied my exit with a fast course of the funeral march, and I headed for my quiet little apartment. I napped for the rest of the afternoon, and by eight o'clock I was appropriately dressed in my best blue suit. The other one being a casual sienna and suitable only for badminton and runyon hunting. I had paused to admire myself, surreptitiously humming a few bars of temptation when, uh... Yeah? Richard Diamond? Depends on who wants him. My name's Sloan. William Sloan. Oh, I'm Diamond. What can I do for you? I'm here because Miss Marilyn Connors asked me to come by and talk to you. Well, come in. Thank you. I believe Martin Cope mentioned your name earlier this afternoon. In all probability, he did. I'm Mr. Cope's attorney. I have a seat. Thank you. Cope uh, seemed a little unhappy with you, Sloan. That was because I suggested that Marilyn hire herself a private detective. I gathered as much. I picked you because of your reputation. I had no way of knowing that Martin didn't like you. Why are you here, Mr. Sloan? To ask you to go back on the job. Protect Marilyn until we're sure that her husband is not going to cause trouble. I'd like to know something, Mr. Sloan. Why do you expect Marilyn's husband to cause trouble? Isn't it obvious? Maybe I'm a little dense. Why, but... Marilyn and Martin Cope have been in love since Joe Connors was sent to prison. You think that's enough to make Joe Connors try something? Well, it uh, goes a little deeper than that. How deep? Joe Connors used to work for Martin. Oh, yeah. Now, wait a minute. I'm beginning to remember. Joe Connors swore Cope had him framed. That's correct. He swore that when he got out, he'd get him. Well, it's a little tough under the circumstances. It'll just cause another argument between Cope and Marilyn if I show up again. Why don't you get yourself another boy? A lot of good private detectives in New York. Because you'd be about the only one who wouldn't be afraid of Martin. And uh, Marilyn has a great respect for you. Even after I belted her boyfriend? Well, I think that convinced her you were the one for the job. Hmm. Joe Connors got out this afternoon, didn't he? That's right, at 4.30. Where's Mrs. Connors? At the club. Well, if I go down there, there's going to be more trouble. Martin went out about an hour ago. That's why we want you to come down. Martin got a phone call. He seemed worried. Marilyn was in the office with him. She said that when he left, he didn't say where he was going, but uh, he took his gun with him. Sloan and I went downstairs, climbed into his car, and headed for Martin Cope's nightclub. When we went in, Marilyn Connors was on stage. So we went to the back of the building and sat down in her dressing room. About ten minutes later, Marilyn came in. She was wearing something thin enough to make a silkworm come into Harry Carey. Hello, William. Mr. Diamond, I'm so glad you reconsidered. I think we both reconsidered, didn't we? Has Martin come back yet? I'll go see. I'll be right back. 
I'm worried, Mr. Diamond. Uh, how long ago did Cope leave? About half an hour before I went on. If you'll excuse me, I have to take off my makeup. Oh, sure, go right ahead. He's back. Martin? Yes, and I'm sure something's happened. He's worried sick about something. I'll go see him. Uh, Mrs. Connors. Yes? Do you want me to stay? No, no, I don't think that would be a good idea. Why don't you go over to my apartment and wait? It's 48 West 74th Street, number three. It's a walk-up. All right. Wait, you'll need a key. Here. She handed me her key and left with William Sloan. I walked out of the club, grabbed a cat, and 20 minutes later, I was walking upstairs to her apartment. The room was in darkness. I felt around for a light switch near the door. Then I froze. The room was still and quiet, but there was a smell in the air. A heavy, pungent odor that a gun leaves after it's been fired. The smell was cordite. I flipped the switch on and looked down at the dead body of Joe Connors, lying on his back, shot through the head. Before we continue with Richard Diamond, Private Detective, here's an important question. How mild can a cigarette be? One sniff won't tell you. One puff won't tell you. It takes day in, day out smoking to judge the mildness of a cigarette, to see how well it gets along with your throat. Make the sensible cigarette test, the thorough cigarette test. Smoke only camels for 30 days, and you'll know how mild camels are. Pack after pack, week after week. Yes, for 30 days, enjoy the rich, full flavor of Camel's costly tobaccos and see just how mild a cigarette can be. In a coast-to-coast test of hundreds of people who smoked only Camel's for 30 days, noted throat specialists reported not one single case of throat irritation due to smoking Camel's. Make your own Camel 30-day test, the sensible test. And see for yourself why more people smoke camels than any other cigarette. How mild, how mild, how mild, how mild can a cigarette be? Make the camel 30-day test and you'll see. Smoke camels and sleep. And now back to Richard Diamond starring Dick Powell. Who is it? The police. Oh, goody. Otis. Yeah? You're standing on my foot. Oh, sorry, Lieutenant. Well, good evening, Lieutenant Levinson. Who's dead, Diamond? Right over there. Name's Joe Connors. Shot in the head, Lieutenant. Well, Otis is getting brighter. Who did it? How do I know? Whose apartment is this? Uh, Mrs. Marilyn Connors. Same name as the dead man. No, his name's Joe. Oh, I mean the last name. Look, meathead. Well, it is. Well, he's right, Walt. They were married. What are you doing here? Me? Well, I come with you. Otis. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, what are you doing here, Diamond? Well, Marilyn Connors asked me to wait for her. And let's all wait. Walt, Walt, have you noticed all the windows are locked? So it's cold out. Well, let's not wait. Let's go over to Martin Cope's nightclub. What's Martin Cope got to do with it? Leave Otis here until the coroner arrives. Put a tag on him so the coroner will be sure to get the right body, and I'll tell you about the whole thing on the way over to the club. 
Lieutenant Levinson to see you, Martin. Oh, hello, Lieutenant. Hi. What are you doing here, Diamond? He's with me, Cope. You own a gun? What is this? He said, do you own a gun? Yeah, so what? Mind if I look at it? Okay. It's loaded. Let's see. Hmm, been fired. You're nuts. Rick. Has been. What is this? I haven't fired that gun since I owned it. You took it out of here with you, didn't you? What's that to you, Diamond? You took it out tonight, didn't you? Don't answer that, Martin. Now look. Let's go down to the station. What for? Martin, you knew Joe Connors, didn't you? Yeah. Well, somebody shot him. You think I... Martin, don't say any more. Well, I'm surprised it's you, Sloan. You were the one who told me Martin took the gun with him. You did? How the devil did I know Diamond would go to the police? What were you doing with Diamond anyway? Marilyn hired him. And fired him. She hired him again tonight. He was working for her. Anything I told him was in confidence. Murder just isn't confidential, Sloan. Look, uh... Wait a minute, Jim. Yeah, you're right. I, I went out to see Joe Connors. He, he phoned me. Martin. I didn't kill him, though. Yeah, I took my gun, but I didn't use it. He was dead when I got there. You went to Marilyn Connors' apartment? That's right. Well, let's all go down to the station and have ballistics check on this gun. And in the meantime, Cope, I'm holding you on suspicion of murder. <laughs> Well, here's the ballistics report, Rick. Cope's gun was the one that did the job. Slug they took out of Connors matched. Hmm. Now let's talk to Marilyn Connors and Sloan again. Why, we've got our boy. Just want to talk to them. Send in Miss Connors and Mr. Sloan. Now what have you got on your mind, Rick? Oh, I was just thinking about all the windows being locked. So what? You want to see us, Lieutenant? Mr. Diamond does. Have a chair. Mr. Diamond, I'm sorry things worked out this way. Well, so am I. Oh, uh, here's your apartment key. Thank you. How many people have a key to your apartment, Mrs. Cannon? What? Martin has the only other one. Mm-hmm. What time did Martin get that phone call? Oh, about 7.30, I guess. I got to the club about 7.15. Martin usually comes in about 7.30. I met him in his office, and he got the call. And he took the gun and left right away? Uh, it's all right. Uh, Martin has already admitted taking the gun. Yes, he took the gun and left almost immediately. Mm-hmm. Where were you, Sloan? At home. I got to the club just after Martin left. Marilyn told me what had happened, and I came right over to you. Oh. Well, all right. Thank you very much. Hmm. That's all? Are you going to defend Mr. Cope? I doubt it. I don't think he wants me to. Well, thank you very much. We'll be talking to you. Goodbye, Lieutenant. Mr. Diamond, come on. Goodbye. Bye. Now, what was all that about? I want to talk to Martin Cope. Rick, now look. I want to talk to him. I want to find out how Joe Connors got into a locked apartment without a key. I don't want anything to do with you, Diamond. You better cooperate. Diamond's got an angle that's worth listening to. I didn't shoot Connors no matter what that ballistics report says. You have a key to Maryland's apartment. Yeah. Connors was dead when you got there. Yeah, I told you that. You left the club about a quarter of eight. That's right, about a quarter of eight. Connors had been dead about three hours when I found him, Walt. I found him about 9.30. By gosh, that's right. And that, uh, that part of your story stands up, Cope. He, he was dead when you got there. What about the gun? You always keep that gun in your desk, Cope? Yeah. Who was in the club with you? All the usual people. Waiter, bartenders, busboys. Marilyn? Yeah. Now, wait a minute. Uh, who knew you kept the gun in the desk? Oh, half a dozen people, maybe. 
You think somebody lifted that gun, killed Connors, and put it back in the desk? You always come in about 7.30, don't you, Cobe? Yeah, every night. According to the death certificate, Connors had been dead about an hour before he came in. What time did you leave the club this afternoon? Right after you slugged me. Oh, you got up rather suddenly. It was about 4.30, wasn't it? Somebody could have gone into your office, taken that gun, killed Connors, put the gun back before you came in at 7.30. Then I'm cleared? No, 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 not a bit. You have a key to Maryland's apartment. The killer had a key to let Connors in. Miss Connors said there were only two keys. Well, Walt, let's go talk to Mrs. Connors. Uh, Mrs. Connors, where were you around seven this evening? Seven? Where were you? Why, downtown. You weren't in your apartment? No. Did you come back from downtown before going to the club? No. Well, who was in your apartment? Why, no one that I know of. Have you ever given your key to anyone except Cope and, uh, oh, me, of course? Yes. Who and how long ago? My piano player, about a week ago. nice man who slugged Mr. Cope this afternoon. Let me buy you a drink. Oh, no, thanks, Bernie. This is Lieutenant Levinson. Lieutenant? Hi. Uh, what time did you get the club this evening, Bernie? Oh, about 7.30. Why? The cook says he saw you come in around 7.15. Mm, Fifteen minutes, one way or the other. Where were you at 7 o'clock, Bernie? My house, I guess. Mm, Bernie. Bernie, we checked with the state prison. They, uh, they censor letters up there. Do they? Mm-hmm. A man named Joe Connors got a letter two days ago telling him to meet someone at Mrs. Connors' apartment around 6.30 this evening. Hmm. What's this all about? Well, we'd like to have you come down to the station for a paraffin test, Bernie. A paraffin test? Yeah, we can determine if anyone has shot a gun in the last 48 hours. Oh. When did you take Mr. Cope's gun, Bernie? Right after he left this afternoon. You had a duplicate key made from the one Mrs. Connors gave you several days ago? Mm-hmm. Uh, the green hardware shop, I believe, over on 64th Street. Why'd you do it? Oh, love, hate, lots of reasons. What difference does it make? For a week now, I've heard him talking about Joe Connors and what he might do when he got out. I saw a chance to get rid of Martin Cope, so I had the key made, wrote Joe Connors a letter, and killed him with Mr. Cope's gun. After you killed Connors, you came back, put the gun back in the drawer, and when Martin Cope came in, you called him and said you were Connors. From that phone booth right over there. Were you in love with Marilyn Connors? That is an extremely earthy question that can do no good at all. Well, let's go, Lieutenant. I was getting tired of playing the piano anyway. It's too bad it didn't work. Think what Marilyn Connors in for when she marries Martin Cope. Oh, speaking of Marilyn Connors, you certainly did take a lot of pains describing her um, her attributes. Oh, really? Well, it wasn't painful at all. Was she really that pretty? Pretty, pretty. Well, I'm jealous. Well, don't be. She had one thing that was wrong. What was that? She had long blonde hair that hung all the way down to the floor. Well, that sounds beautiful. But it was her mustache. 
better sing something, huh? I think you'd better. Mm. What would you like? Anything that will make up for that last remark. I thought it was pretty clever. Just sing. Okay. How about this? Maybe I'm right and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm weak and maybe I'm strong. But nevertheless, I'm in love with you. Maybe I'll win and maybe I'll lose. Maybe I'm in for crying the blues. But nevertheless, I'm in love with you. Somehow I know at a glance the terrible chances I'm taking. Fine at the start, but left with a heart that is breaking. Maybe I live a life of regret. And maybe I'll give much more than I get, but nevertheless, I'm in love with you. Oh, that's better.、Mm, thank you, Rick.、Hmm? I'll bet she really did have pretty hair. Oh, I guess so, but she kept it all rolled up on her head. What's the matter with that? I like yours better. I wear mine up. Yeah, but I've seen you with your hair down. Rick, come here. Rick. Nick Powell will return in just a minute. More people smoke camels than any other cigarette. Yes, more people smoke camels than any other cigarette. Among the millions of camel smokers, there are many stars whose voices are their fortunes. John Wayne, Reza Stevens, Martha Tilton are a few. They find that camels' cool, cool mildness gets along fine with their throats. Friends, make your own 30-day camel mildness test and see why more people smoke camels than any other cigarette. How mild, how mild, how mild, how mild, how mild can a cigarette be? Make the camel thirty day test, and you will see. Smoke camels and sleep. Here's Dick Powell with a special message. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. No one deserves the appreciation of the American people more than the men and women who have served in our armed forces. The camel people send weekly gifts of cigarettes to those servicemen and veterans who are hospitalized. This week's camels go to Veterans Hospital, Martinsburg, West Virginia, and Carl Gables, Florida; U.S. Army Station Hospital, Camp Hood, Texas; U.S. Naval Hospital, Chelsea, Massachusetts. Now, until next week, enjoy camels. I always do. <laughs> Adventure of Richard.
Diamond, starring Dick Powell, was written by Blake Edwards. Our director is Helen Mack. Pipe smokers, enjoy the national joy smoke, Prince Albert. Yes, P.A. is made from choice tobacco, rich tobacco that's naturally flavorsome. Prince Albert is specially treated to ensure against tongue bite and crimped cut for smooth smoking. So get P.A. in the handy pocket tin or the pound size. It's America's largest selling smoking tobacco. Listen next week for another exciting transcribed adventure of Richard Diamond, starring Dick Powell. This is your FBI, the official broadcast from the files of the FBI, follows immediately. Stay tuned. This program came to you from Hollywood. This is the American Broadcasting Company. Buy for flavor. Buy Del Monte. Del Monte, the brand you trust for flavor in so many good foods. Time now for Rocky Jordan, brought to you by Del Monte Foods, the brand preferred by more women than any other line of canned fruits and vegetables in the world. Sultan Hassan in Cairo stands the Cafe Tambourine, run by Rocky Jordan. The Cafe Tambourine, crowded with forgotten men, alive with the babble of many languages. For this is Cairo, where modern adventure and intrigue unfold against the backdrop of antiquity. Del Monte presents Rocky Jordan and this week's story, Smokescreen. It was the other side of midnight, and I was beginning to think I'd spent one of those routine days I could forget. That just goes to show how wrong you can be. The customers and the help had gone, and I walked over to the front door to let a little air in before I locked up for the night. I got the air all right, but I also got something I wasn't counting on. This is your dad. She moved in out of the shadows like she'd been waiting there. She was inside like a magazine salesman. But she didn't look the part. She was small and dark, but all woman eyes a little too big for her face. Monsieur Jordan, you do not remember me? Oh, give me time. It'll come to me. I was a manicurist. Oh, I... sure. Manicurist at Shepherd's. Oui. Uh, Adele, wasn't it? Adele Simano. Monsieur Jordan, I had to see you. And the light's better in the daytime. No, no, this had to be tonight. I'm asking you, please, to do something for me. It will not be difficult. Who ever heard that before? I'd like to help Miss Simano, but it makes a long day. I will pay you if that concerns you so much. I ask no favors. Well? I can answer better if I know what it's about. Oh, thank you, Monsieur Jordan. Wait here for the moment. She moved out the door again and walked a few steps to a shadow near the corner. Then they were both coming back. The shadow was a man, much older and grayed. I wasn't sure about the pallor in his face, but the look in his eyes meant something. I'd seen fear before too many times. Monsieur Jordan, this is my father, André Simonot. Hello, Simonot. 
Monsieur Jordan, I must explain that what we ask is my daughter's wish. Please, Papa, it is settled. There is no other way. Well, maybe I'm the one to decide that. What's this all about, anyhow? It is little to ask, Mr. Jordan. We wish only that the Café Tambourine remain open for us tonight. That we be permitted to stay here. Oh, I get it. Big convention in town, huh? Hotels are all full. You do not understand. We also wish that you stay here with us to watch my father. He needs watching. I'm trying to tell you. You have only to witness my father's presence here. Oh, I expected something like that. Good night, Simono. The tambourine closed ten minutes ago. You will not help us. Look, I've been taken in in my day, but this isn't my day. You walk in here and tell me you want a witness for Papa. Why? Because somewhere in Cairo something has happened or is going to happen. Either way, it won't be good. Because I'm supposed to pull the chestnuts out of the fire. Oh, no thanks. I burned too easy. I told you I'd pay you. The police work for free. But we can't go to the police. If you let me explain. Sure. I'll stop in for a manicure someday. You can tell me all about it. You see, Adele, I was right. And I thought you were the one person who would help. I was mistaken. Come, Papa. Uh, uh, Monsieur Jordan, I do not blame you. Our situation is hard to understand. Monsieur Jordan, your answer is still no. I don't have to spell it out, do I? Good night. She looked at me for a minute without another word. Something in her eyes made me wonder if I ought to change my mind. But I was too late. She turned and opened the door. That's when Simono stopped in his tracks. The cat! The cat! Adele! Simono, get away from that door. Jordan, help me. Here, here, let me. Adele. Adele, mon fille. Mon petit fille. Stay back, Simono. Let me look at her. Monsieur, she... I'm sorry, Simono. So, the cat. Simono, wait. Keep away from the door. Do not hold me, monsieur. Let me go. Get out there. Listen to me. The cat. Simono. Come back, Simono. I stood there trying to realize what had happened, and the answer wasn't pleasant. All they'd asked for was a little help, and I'd said no. And now Adele was lying dead at my feet, and her father had gone out of the door with a look on his face that spelled more trouble. I called Captain Sam Sabaya, Cairo Police. He made it to the tambourine in a hurry, and while he examined the girl, I told him everything I knew. Most regrettable. All right, go on, Sam. Tell me I could have stopped it. Well, you have no reason to condemn yourself, Jordan. I'm not so sure. You saw nothing of the assailant? No, but Simono did. All he said was the cat. So this is what we must find, the cat. Hmm. Aren't you forgetting something more important, Sam? More important? Andre Simono. I saw the way he went out of here. He's after revenge, Sam. And who can blame him? Don't you see? He'll cause more trouble for himself unless he can be stopped. The duty of the police is quite clear. We are able to function only after a crime has happened. Oh, sure, that's great. You'll throw half the Cairo police force into a hunt for the cat. But you won't spend five minutes trying to prevent a murder. I tell you, my hands are tied. I'm interested in Simona only as a material witness. We will find the murderer of his daughter, of course. Sure, you'll find him dead. Perhaps. Unless. Oh, I get it, Sam. Unless I get to Simino first. Well, that made it pretty clear. If Simino was to be found, I had to find him. I left Sam and his boys to take care of the girl and started out into the Cairo night. I wasted two hours and 20 piastres asking questions to try to get a line on Simino. No results. That left the Shepherd's Hotel where Adele worked. 
sleepy night clerk gave me her address in the French Quarter across town. It was already daylight by the time I found it. I didn't expect Simino to be there, and I was right, but I made enough noise in his door to raise a neighbor. What he told me sent me back north across town to the Bulak Shipping Company. They were just opening up, but a workman was already there, scraping a name off the window. It said J. Constantine and A. Simino. The name he was scratching off was Simino. Inside, a red-headed secretary sat at a desk in the outer office, putting on her face for the morning customers. She kept right on with a lipstick. Well, an early bird. Do you have an appointment? Why? Do I need one? Uh, well, that depends on who you really wanted to see. I could be satisfied right now. Are you asking for an appointment or a phone number? I bet you got a lot of them there in that book. Andre Simino's, maybe, huh? Haven't you heard? He's not with us anymore. Anything else you can tell me about him? No, but I could try. I get an hour off for lunch. So do I. But right now, I'll settle for Jake Constantine. He's awfully busy. Oh, he's got a minute. I said he's busy. What is the meaning of this? Who are you? My name's Jordan. Doris, I told you I was seeing no one. Mr. Jordan's the impetuous type, aren't you, Mr. Jordan? But uh, be gentle with him, Juno. I might want him back. I'll speak up. What do you want? I hope I didn't interrupt your morning paper. You did, but that doesn't answer my question. I thought you might be reading about Adele Simino. Adele Simino? What about Adele Simino? I was reading about a safe robbery last night at the Nile Investment Company. Oh, I see. Does that tie in with it? Mr. Jordan, I don't know what you're talking about. All right, then I'll tell you. Adele Simino was killed last night. Shot down in my cafe. What? Yeah. I see. Sit down, Mr. Jordan. Please sit down. This is a terrible shock. Terrible. Andre and his daughter loved each other very much. How did this thing happen? We don't know. I was hoping you could help. Anything, anything, Mr. Jordan. All right, then, let's start with why Simino's name is coming off your window. Oh, that. He quit the business several days ago. He didn't tell you? No. Any special reason? Just decided he wanted out. I'm sure it has no connection. Well, maybe the cat can tell us more about that. The cat? That doesn't mean anything to you? Should it? I don't know. But we've got to find Simino. He seemed to know who did the shooting, and he's out for revenge. To kill or get killed. Yes, of course. Andre would think of revenge. That girl was his whole life. After the way she stuck by him through everything. Yeah, everything. September 39, Paris, you know. She still had faith in him, waited for him, to help him when he got out. September 39, Paris, uh, got out of where? Why, out of... Mr. Jordan, I thought you were a close friend of his. That's right. Obviously, you're not. And I have told you too much already. Now you can get out. Touchy subject, Mr. Constantine. I said get out, or I'll have you thrown out. I was at the Cairo Library going through the Paris newspapers for September 1939. And it paid off. The third paper I went through carried a story of a robbery conviction. Expert safe-cracking, defendant Andre Simino. Now that made me think about something else Constantine had mentioned. The safe-cracking job at the Nile Investment Company just last night. Well, Sam could tell me more about that. I drove to the tambourine, parked out back, and started from my office door on the phone. I didn't quite make it. 
I did not enjoy waiting, Mr. George. Right there, my search was over. I hadn't found Simino, but I had found the cat. He looked like one and he sounded like one, and he was very much alive. Observe me, Mr. Jordan. I'm looking at the gun. The same one that killed Adele? So you saw me at the window last night. Who were the shots for, Adele or her father? She was at the door at the wrong time. Yeah, so they were for Simino. And then he said many things, did he not? Only two words. The cat. <sighs> two words that mean death to you now. Why were you after him? Why was he marked for killing? I talk no more. No more, Mr. Jordan. I felt nothing. It wasn't me, but the cat that slumped against the door. The sound of a lot of footsteps sent me whirling. In time to see a figure stuffing a gun in his pocket, dart out of the alley to the side street. Hey, stop! Come back! Come back here! I stood there looking after the fading car, and I knew I'd failed. There was nothing now but to call Sam and tell him who I'd seen running away from the killing. I was sure who it was. Adele's father, Andre Simino. Del Monte Foods is presenting tonight's adventure with Rocky Jordan. Cheeseburgers, egg burgers, sun burgers. Seems like everybody's inventing new ways to serve hamburgers. But as far as lots of folks are concerned, there's just one way to make them all taste their best. And that's to serve them with rich, extra lively Del Monte catsup. Mmm, now you're talking, Larry, and talking flavor. Yes, believe me, that Del Monte catsup has a special zip. A zesty kind of spiced tomato flavor that has just what it takes to put smacking good flavor into a hamburger, or do justice to a steak. Well, let me tell you, I certainly make it a point to keep Del Monte catsup in my house. I just can't afford to be without the lift it gives the low-cost foods that I serve so often. You know, Larry, there really is something different about Del Monte catsup. You bet there is. You see, Del Monte catsup is the only catsup made with pineapple vinegar. And pineapple vinegar is a superfine, sparkling vinegar that coaxes out an extra measure of real, deep-down flavor from those plump, vine-ripened tomatoes Del Monte uses. Yet, for all its goodness, Del Monte catsup actually costs less than many other quality brands. Now, there's value for you. So make yours Del Monte catsup next time. You'll say you never enjoyed catsup so much. <laughs> Take you back to Cairo and tonight's Rocky Jordan story, Smokescreen. All I'd wanted was to find Andre Simino and keep him out of trouble. But I didn't make it. And it looked like he'd paid the cat in full for Adele's death. So my job was still to call Sam Sabaya and tell him to pick up Simino. Not for safe-cracking now, but for murder. I got my office door open, stepped over the cat's lifeless form, sprawled half inside and half out, and reached for the phone. Just then, the door for my cafe opened. There stood Constantine's red-headed secretary. Forget about the lunch, Rocky. Not in here, Doris. Not now. Oh. You mean we're not 
Quite alone. Just wait for me in the cafe, huh? You shouldn't have done it, Rocky. It was Simono's job. That's why I wanted to find him. Poor fellow. And dressed so nicely. Don't touch him, Doris. What's the matter with you? Keep away. Very well, Rocky. Then you will find it for me. Well, everybody carries a gun. Search him quickly. Go through his pockets. Sure. For anything in particular? Only the key to his fiat, nothing more. Get it? Hmm? Yeah. Is this what you want? Toss it over here on the floor. Thank you, Rocky. But don't try to follow me. You wouldn't like it. You wouldn't like it at all. She ducked out the open door, and I was on the phone dialing Sabaya. I got a quick answer, told him to get over to the tambourine on the double, and hung up. Then I ran to my car, spun out of the alley, and up to the main drag. I was in time. The little Fiat was speeding down the hill three blocks away. After a while, the car pulled up at a deserted spot near the river docks. She was outside opening the car trunk. She found nothing but kept hunting. Under the car seat, under the floorboards, under the hood. But still no luck. Finally, she gave it up in disgust, left the Fiat, and started walking toward the Nile Drive. When I saw her flag down a taxi, I turned to get back to my car. Bumped right into a big, shiny badge. You will come with me, Mr. Jordan. In my car. Oh, Greco, you're just in time. Get after that taxi. There's a girl in it and can tell you plenty. You feeble attempt the delay avails you nothing. The Captain Sabaya wishes to see you. Uh, he can wait. Enough, Mr. Jordan. The Captain Sabaya is most annoyed by your manner of hanging up the phone without explanations. Ah, it is an order. Uh, all right, Greco, let's go. that his violence is still more violent, Jordan, and always at your very door. All right, Sam. You got the cat now. That's who you wanted. You are telling me that the man murdered at your alley door is the cat? Of course he is. He admitted killing Adele last night. And who killed him, Jordan? I wasn't looking. Indeed. Of course he was him, you know. You will most certainly find him now. Sure, you'll find him. A man sees his daughter cut down right in front of him. He can do nothing but square it, and then you get real busy. Jordan, do not forget, retribution is a concern only for their... All right, Sam. What would you have done? What could any man do? My feelings are not important. Uh. Well, what do you know about the cat? Very little, except this bullet which we found in him. Thirty-two, huh? Now, Jordan, why were you not at your cafe when I arrived? I was tailing somebody else you'll want, Sam. A red-headed secretary named Doris. She works for Simono's old partner at the Bulak Shipping Company. What has she to do with this? Oh, ask her. I'd have brought her in, only that's when our good friend Greco showed up. Greco did only as he was ordered. Yeah, sure. Look, Sam. Simono was once in prison for safe-cracking. Could that connect up with the big job at the Nile Investment Company last night? Perhaps Simono himself will clear that up. When we find him. Oh, all right, Sam. Have your fun. didn't stop me, and I went out. Pretty soon, Simono would be found, and that would be that. I tried to walk it off, but things wouldn't sit right. A lot of things. One was a redhead named Doris. I had to get her story. It was late evening when I got to the Bulak Shipping Company. The place was already closed. I'd just taken a hold of the doorknob when it happened. Shots were from inside the building. I twisted the knob without thinking when the door came open. The outer room was empty, so I went on into the office. The first thing I saw was what had been Jay Constantine lying on the floor and slumped down in a nearby chair, gun still in his hand, was Andre Simino. Simino. Hmm. Simino, what's the matter with your son? Out of it. Oh, Monsieur Jordan, when did you come? Too late. What do you mean? I 
I cannot seem to remember. Something happened. Take a look at Constantine. That'll help. Huh? Oh, then I did kill him, as I came to do. Listen to me. Tell me why they were after you. Uh, it does not matter now, monsieur. Constantine was your partner. What else? Yes, we were partners, but not here. Well, then what then? Robbery? Safe cracking? Yes. I had great skill with locks and nitroglycerin. Constantine did the planning, but finally I was caught in the egg, convicted and sent to prison. Uh, you do the work and take the rap. When I got out of prison, it was my daughter who convinced me that I must not return to crime. And Constantine also seemed kind. He invited me to join him as a partner here in the shipping business. It was my chance to live a decent life. Only what happened? Constantine have other ideas? Yes, he suddenly announced to me that all plans had been made. I was to carry out these orders. A safe-cracking job at an Island Investment Company last night? Big haul of negotiable securities? Yes, then, you know, Constantine was commanding. I did not know what to do. Again, my daughter Adele convinced me I must not do it. I called Constantine by telephone and tell him that oh, he was in great fury and said that if I would not do it, he would do it himself and leave evidence that I had been there. Uh, and that's when you and Adele came running to my cafe. But only to ask you to witness that I do not have a part in the robbery. But Constantine had to get rid of you then. You knew too much. That is why he sent the cat. Not to kill my daughter, monsieur. Me. To kill me. I only wish it had happened so. You know what I have to do now? The police have got to know. It does not matter now, monsieur. First, you better hand me that gun. Take it quickly and call the police. Hey, wait a minute. Hmm? That's the one you used? Why? Why, yes, of course. Is not Constantine dead? No. There's no cordite smell in the gun, and none of the shells have been fired. But, monsieur... Besides, this is a thirty-eight. The bullet found on the cat was a thirty-two. Well, how could that be? I, I went to kill him. You saw me. I do not remember, but uh, how could it be otherwise? I got a good idea, Simino. But right now, you're getting out of here. Hold up at the nearest hotel and stay there. I watched him as he went out and closed the door behind him. I held up a second, then I heard footsteps in the warehouse behind the office. A moment later, the door opened, and it was exactly who I expected. Rocky. Ah, you work nights around here too, Doris? No, I just got here. What are you doing here? I'll show you. Have a look, Doris. I see. It's Constantine. You don't seem very surprised. Why, it's just that... I don't know how I feel. Simono did it, of course. Sure, who else? What do you mean by that, Rocky? Now, why did you come here tonight? I just came back to get a few things I'd forgotten. Same things you were after at my cafe when you grabbed the car key off the cat? The same things you were scratching for in the little car but didn't find? A stack of negotiable securities that Constantine hijacked from a safe at the Nile Investment Company? You know a great deal, don't you, Rocky? Not as much as you do, Doris. Come on, let's have it. Rocky, I work for Constantine. I did only what he told me. I had to. What did he tell you? Only that he'd given the securities to the cat to hide. He didn't trust the cat. I was sent to watch him. When I found him dead at your cafe, I had to get the securities. I, I was afraid. Sure, you were real scared, weren't you? Tell me something. Where'd you meet up with a guy like Constantine? One meets up with many people on the continent, Rocky. Yeah, that's true. Oh, I knew you'd leave me. 
I knew you would, Rocky. Yes. It's black smudge on your sleeve. Why, mascara, I guess. It doesn't matter. No, not mascara. But we know what it is, don't we? I don't even know what you're talking about. Come on. Let's find out. I kept hold of her wrists and dragged her through the warehouse, out the back door, into an enclosed lot. And there it was, a big incinerator. We went to it. She stood there silently as I opened the metal door and reached inside. First thing my hand touched was what I wanted. Bulky envelopes. A lot of them. You don't have to open them, Rocky. The securities are all there. You are in a big hurry to hide them, weren't you? Soot on your sleeve shows that. Does that make you feel very proud of yourself? You couldn't have carried that smudge very long without noticing. Now, what happened? You heard me coming in the door. You hit him quick, figuring to come back and get him after I was gone. Did I leave out anything? Just one thing. Yeah? That I have a gun. Rocky, no! Can't do it twice, Doris. No! Rocky, give it to me. Yeah, the answer's too much. Yeah, 32, like the slug found in a cat. I figure the same will be found in Constantine. Sure. Two shots gone. Rocky, listen to me. It looked easy, didn't it? All you had to do was get the cat and Constantine out of the way, and the securities were all yours. You knew Andre Simino, half crazed with grief, was after them both, so you stayed with him. Only you fired the shots, not he. But he didn't even realize that he was to take all the blame. Rocky, Rocky, listen. They're gone, both of them. I... We have securities now, you and I. No one has to know. That's possible. We could keep that lunch date. We could keep a lot of them. Not for an awful long time, Doris. But why? Because you won't be around. Not after the police get through with you. In just a moment, Rocky Jordan returns to conclude tonight's story. As a mere man around the house, it's a little out of my line to tell anybody how to make a food budget behave. But I do know how many, many women insist that there's no help like Del Monte tomato sauce when it comes to making thrifty cooking good cooking. Don't you be telling me about Del Monte tomato sauce, Larry. Why, my mother uses it, and so did her mother before her. Well, why not? After all, Del Monte is the original tomato sauce. The way Del Monte combines those fine, ripe tomatoes and zesty spices is a special secret. It must be. No other tomato sauce has ever matched Del Monte's flavor. You know you can depend on it, too. That's extra important with tomato sauce, it seems to me, because you cook it in. That's right. The tomato sauce represents only a fraction of the cost of your other ingredients, but its flavor can make or break your whole recipe. Now, Del Monte tomato sauce makes any dish a success, and no mistake. Try it in your favorite stew or meatloaf recipe, friends. Taste for yourself why it always pays to get Del Monte tomato sauce. Back now to Rocky Jordan for the conclusion of tonight's story. Well, I walked Doris out of the Bullock Shipping Company building, put her in my car, and took her to the Cairo Police Headquarters. I gave Sam a quick rundown. He dispatched some boys to go for the body of Jay Constantine. Then I waited while Sam put Doris on the grill for a while. When he came out, he motioned to me. 
Come with me, Jordan. Oh, where are we going, Sam? You will learn in good time. Come along now. Okay, but let's have it, Sam. What did Doris tell you? She confessed everything. There was little else she could do. Especially when we found that the shot that killed Constantine was also from a thirty-two, her own gun. Uh, it's easy to put together now. Constantine planned the safe-cracking job. When Andre Simino backed out at the last minute, Constantine decided to go ahead with it. In the meantime, sending the cat to kill Simino, who knew too much. And that was when the unfortunate Adele brought her father to your cafe? Yeah. Only for my witnessing that Simino wasn't at the scene of the robbery. The cat killed Adele by mistake. Thanks to my help. After that, things looked simple for this Doris woman. As Constantine's employee, she knew of the robbery. She had but to kill him and his assistant and get the stolen securities for herself. And all the time, the pressure would be on Simino. Everybody knew he was out for revenge. Well, she had us fooled for a while. Even Simino was fooled. A man half crazed with grief and the thought of revenge who did not even know that the shots were not from his own gun. So, uh, what about him now? He has achieved no wrong. Surely his unhappiness for his daughter is enough for him to bear. Thanks, Sam. Now, for the last time, where are we going? <laughs> for once, Jordan, I thought I would drive you home to your tambourine, where you belong. Well, then hadn't you better turn around? You passed the place four blocks back. <laughs> finest in tomato flavor, enjoy the whole family of Del Monte tomato products. Del Monte catsup and chili sauce, Del Monte tomato sauce and tomato juice, and Del Monte whole peeled tomatoes. Remember, buy wisely. Buy for flavor. Buy Del Monte. Del Monte, the brand you trust for flavor in so many good foods. Gomer Cole and Larry Roman stars Jack Boyles in the title role with Jay Novello as Sam Sabaya. This program is produced and directed by Cliff Howell, with original music composed and conducted by Richard Arump. Remember you have a date next week at the Cafe Tambourine, run by Rocky Jordan. Same time, same station. And the story is The Loomis Affair. Bring all the delicious flavor of tropical fruit to your table. Serve Del Monte Pineapple. Yes, as a refreshing dessert or as a perfect salad with the main course, you'll really enjoy the luscious tropic flavor of Del Monte Pineapple. Larry Thor speaking. Rocky Jordan is presented over CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
I see what a beautiful dress on that model. Oh, Mary, what a beautiful model in that dress. Lovely. Well, she isn't bad. Oh, darling, you're not looking at the dresses, and I want you to help me pick out an outfit. Now, this is a fashion show. Which of those girls will be in fashion this season? Oh, you. I'm going to pick out a dress by myself. I'll see you when the show's over. You mean this performance isn't continuous? A fine time to tell me. Ah, Monsieur Boston Blucky. I am so glad you attended my fashion show. Oh, hello, Pierre. You and the Mansell have seen something you like, no? I like that model over there, Pierre. Which? The red satin, Blucky? No, the red head, Pierre. <laughs> Get the phony Pierre stuff, Blackie. Call me Joe. Come on inside. I want to talk to you. And now back to Dick Calmer as Boston Blackie. Enemy to those who make him an enemy. Friend to those who have no friends. <laughs> Why doesn't that janitor hurry up? Why doesn't he... Get me, Mr. Olsen. What took you so long, Harry? I sent the elevator man down for you 15 minutes I'm sorry, Mr. Olsen. I was fixing one of the furnace doors Uh, down in the basement. Oh. What's the matter? Can't you get into your office? I I forgot my key, Harry. Well, I guess I can let you in. Oh, good. good. Uh, Here. You're working kind of late, ain't you? And I'm worried about some papers in my safe. Papers in a safe? Ought to be safe, aren't they? (laughs) Yes, but please. There, your door's open for you, Mr. Olsen. Oh, thank you, Harry. Wait, I'll turn on the light for you. Fine. There. Thanks, Harry. uh, Why, Mr. Olson, look at papers all things, over the Harry, place. It's open. I've been robbed. Robbed? Yes, call the police, Harry. Pass. This is the safe that was robbed, Inspector Faraday. Uh-huh. When did you discover it had been robbed, Mr. Olson? Well, when I came to here to my office just now. You sure it was locked when you left here? Well, I'm positive, Inspector. I locked it myself. Anyone else in your office know the combination? Well, there is no one else in my office, Inspector. I operate a money-lending service, but I, I work alone. Well, Rollins will find fingerprints on it before he's through. Oh, we'll find out who opened it. Uh, anything of real value missing? Everything. Cash, $25,000. All the money I have in the world. And an IOU for $50,000 signed by Pierre. Pierre? Who's he? Uh, he's a dress designer with a swanky shop in Salon on the Avenue. Oh, yes. I know that, Pierre. In fact, my wife tried... Inspector tra- Faraday. Yeah, Rollins? Excuse me, Inspector, but I've gone over that safe from top to bottom. Been over the whole works, huh? How many prints you got? Not a one. See, I told you, Olsen, as soon... What did you say, Rollins? There's not a fingerprint anywhere on that safe, and it wasn't fried, forced, or blown open. No prints? No prints. No, this can't be. He couldn't have done this. I won't believe it. He, Inspector Faraday. Who's he? Austin Blackie. But yes, but who's he? The cleverest safe cracker in the world. Oh. If there are no prints on your safe and it was opened without blasting, only one man could have done it. Austin Blackie. Sure, it has to be opened by someone with sensitive fingers, someone who could feel the drop of the tumblers through his gloves. And I know only one man who fits that description, Inspector. Boston Blackie. I know that, Rollins. Olsen, you say you don't know Boston Blackie? No, not at all. Why would he want to rob your safe? I don't know. I don't know the man. He doesn't know me or anything about me. Uh, He knew one thing about you. What was that? He knew you had a safe full of cash. Mr. Olsen, Blackie had 25,000 reasons for robbing you. Come in. Hello, Blackie. Hello, Faraday. How's everything, Blackie? Fine, Inspector, until you came in. What's on your alleged mind? Oh, uh, nothing in particular. Have a nice time last night? Oh, I didn't do anything special. No? What did you do? 
Not much of anything. Just sit around and read. Yeah? What? Uh, something dull. I've forgotten what it was. You didn't uh, run downtown for a little while, did you? Uh, no. No, I didn't. You didn't happen to uh, drop in at the bridge building sometime last night, did you? No, not unless I walked in my sleep. Well, uh, in your sleep, of course. You didn't happen to enter Roger Olson's office on the 18th floor of the bridge building. Roger Olson? Who's he? You were asleep all last night, huh? Soundly and pleasantly, Faraday. Who's this Roger Olson? Someone you met in your dreams last night and robbed. Uh Uh-oh. Here we go again. Come on. You might as well admit it, because I know you did it. Did what? Don't play dumb, Blackie. You're the only one in this town who could have robbed Olson's safe and not leave a mark on it. What are you talking about? Roger Olson's safe. Robbed last night of $25,000 in cash and a $50,000 IOU signed by some guy named Pierre. Pierre, the dress designer? Oh, you're beginning to remember now, huh? I remember Pierre. In fact, I was at his fashion show yesterday and had quite a talk with him. Oh, and what you and Pierre talked about yesterday was robbing Olson's safe and stealing his IOU. Ha-ha, you're all wet. That IOU was due tomorrow morning, and Pierre couldn't pay it. So he bribed you to steal it by telling you about the cash in the safe. Faraday... You don't have a brain in your head. Yeah? What Pierre and I talked about was strictly a personal matter. I never heard of an IOU signed by Pierre and held by Olson. That's all, period. Quit lying, Blackie. You and Pierre... Somebody's at the door. Maybe it's that $25,000 calling on me. Come in. Oh, Blackie, I'm glad you're home. Oh, hello, Mary. Hello, Miss Wesley. Hello, Inspector Fat. My goodness. You look as if you were in the mood to arrest somebody. Here's Mary, and guess who? I don't have to guess, darling. What does he want you for this time? Oh, wait. Wait, I know. And, Inspector, you're right. Mary, at last you're getting some sense, Miss Wesley. It's not anything I'm getting. It's what I've gotten. Six brand new dresses from Pierre's. What? Uh Uh-huh. Six brand new dresses, Blackie. And, Inspector Faraday, I think a man who wastes his money like that ought to be put away. So help me, Mary. I didn't buy those dresses for you. Not one of them. You did? Well, then who did? Why, I've... Good reason to believe that Pierre sent them. In fact, he wrote me a note saying he was going to. Sure he did. As part payment for you robbing Roger Olson's safe. Look, Faraday, if you're going to insist that Pierre asked me to rob Olson's safe, call him up on the phone and ask him. Don't bother me. Oh, no. I'll do better than that. We'll get on and see this guy, Pierre. I got a hunch this dressmaker will help me get the goods on you. I'd like to see Pierre, please. I'm sorry. He can't be disturbed. Why not, beautiful? Has he just seen you and he's disturbed enough for one evening? I'm from the police, lady. Is Pierre in his office? Yes, he is, Inspector. But we're taking inventory tonight and he doesn't want to see anyone. Not even you, huh? I can't understand that. Quiet, Blanky. You Pierre's secretary? Uh-huh. We'll have to disturb him. I'm sorry. Well, he's been in his office for quite a while without coming out. Except to mail a letter an hour ago. I suppose he wouldn't mind it. All right, you may go in. Thanks. Me too, of course. You seem to say things that are not necessary. I suppose you'll go where you're not wanted. Ouch. <laughs> That's all right there, Inspector. Thanks. Come on, Blackie. Here, I... I'll do the talking, Blackie. Okay. Uh-oh. Well, go ahead, Faraday. Talk to him. But I doubt if he'll answer, because from here, it looks like Pierre's dead. Keep 
keep looking around, Rollins. See what you can find. Okay, Inspector. Where's that coroner? He'll be here soon, I suppose. Well, Inspector, I guess... Uh, quiet, Blanky. I'll do all the guessing around here. Miss, uh, what's your name? Marion Thompson. You're Pierre's secretary, huh? I told you that before. Pierre was here late because he was taking inventory. What are you doing here so late? I always stay late on inventory nights. In case Pierre wants anything. Well, what he didn't want, believe me, my icy friend, was to be murdered. You didn't, by any chance, help him with that, did you? Uh, that'll be enough out of you, Blackie. We don't even know it was murder yet, unless you killed him. There's not a mark on him. Pictures all taken, no fingerprints to be found, Inspector. Anything else? Yeah, Rollins. Get out of here. All of you, get out of here. Okay, come on, boys. You too, Miss Thompson, you can go. Yes, sir. Let's stay in the building. Ah, uh, no, better than that. Don't leave your office. I want to talk to you later. And so do I, beautiful. I'll be glad to talk to you, Inspector. Ouch again, Faraday. Say, I'm beginning to hurt all over. Uh, save your wisecracks for your future cellmates, Blanky. You're under arrest for robbing Olsen's safe. And maybe for murder. I couldn't pull a gun on you while Beautiful was in the room, Faraday, but she's not here now. Unless so... you're trying to convince me you murdered Pierre. Put that gun away, Blanky. Oh, no. If I put this gun away, you'll put me away. And I have a few things to take care of this side of prison bars. Yeah? Yeah. And the first thing I'm going to take care of is you. <laughs> This is Blackie. Oh, hello. Did the air clear everything up? Beautifully, Mary. He's dead. Dead? Very. And Faraday tried to arrest me in the event it turns out to be murder. Oh, darling. Where are you now? Not in jail, Mary. I'm in a drugstore. Well, where's Inspector Faraday? Tied and gagged and locked up inside a closet in Pierre's office. Oh. As I left, I told Pierre's secretary the inspector didn't want to be disturbed for a couple of hours. Oh, Blackie, I'm worried about you. You let me worry about me, Mary. You call Pierre's secretary in an hour to get Faraday out of that closet while I get myself out of a jam. And now, back to Boston Blackie. Blackie and Mary go to Pierre's fashion show. And when Pierre gets Blackie alone, he announces that his real name is Joe, and he wants to talk to Blackie. The next morning, a Roger Olson safe is robbed of $25,000 in cash and an IOU for $50,000 signed by the phony Pierre. Inspector Faraday suspects Blackie and takes him to Pierre's for questioning. But Pierre is dead. Faraday then attempts to arrest Blackie, but Blackie gets away. As we return to our story, Blackie is talking with Roger Olson, the man who states Blackie is accused of robbing you know, Olson, I keep thinking I've seen you somewhere before. Well, I don't think you have, Blackie. That's it? That's what? I know where I've seen you, behind bars. You were held in a charge of larceny a few years ago. I remember seeing your picture in the paper. If you remember that, you'll probably also remember that I was freed of the charge. Yes, Olson, you were tried and acquitted. That's right. So you can't be tried again. But I happen to know you were guilty. So what? So maybe you took a chance on breaking the law again. Maybe you admit you killed Pierre. You had a good reason. If he robbed your cell safe, he could completely wipe you out by stealing that cash and that $50,000 IOU you had of his. If I thought Pierre had robbed my safe, wouldn't I have said so the minute I discovered his IOU was gone? No, because then when the police found him dead, they'd figure you had a motive for killing him. Get out of here. I said get out. 
Sure, as soon as you admit you killed Pierre. I said get out or I'll... Oh, you're not very good with your fists. Oh, think I'm not, huh? I know. You're not. Oh. All right, Mr. Olson. Sometime after you get up and can see me through those black eyes of yours, I'll be up to see you. Faraday speaking. Hello, Faraday. That's Blackie. Blackie, we found Pierre was killed by poison. We think it's suicide. But you stay where you are. You're under arrest for robbing Olsen's safe. Oh, no, Faraday. The only place I'm going to stay is away from you. Look, Blackie, unless you come down here right away, I'm arresting Mary Wesley. I'll hold her for complicity, maybe. Or easier still, uh, as a material witness. Oh, now, look, Faraday. Be a good boy. You'll be a good boy. Come down here and give yourself up. Come on, Blackie. We're booking only on the safe cracking wrap. I'll make a deal with you, Faraday. No. Either you give yourself up, or I'm arresting Mary Wesley. Give me 24 hours, Faraday. No. Oh, be a sport. Let Mary alone and give me 24 hours to prove I didn't rob Olson's safe. And who might have killed Pierre if, he wasn't, if it wasn't suicide. Okay. One day, and that's all. Thanks, Faraday. You're a great guy, only I'd need more than one day to prove that. Hello. You're the manager of this restaurant? Yes, and you are Boston Blackie, are you not? Oh, oh you know me? By reputation, of course. Uh, what can I do for you? Uh, this restaurant of yours is the same building where Pierre, the designer, has his offices and his salon. That is right. And you are investigating his death. Blackie, I can help you. You can? Yes. You see, I read every detective magazine and novel as soon as it comes out. We will go hunting for clues together, you and I. I'm sure that won't be necessary, but thanks anyhow. Uh, just tell me this. Did Pierre ever eat here? Oh, yes, yes, regularly. You think that is a clue? It might be. Pierre died of poison. It could have been suicide, but was he in here for dinner tonight? Yes, he was. He certainly was. He and another gentleman came in. They looked furtively about and then selected that table there. Well, let's forget that furtive business and tell me, uh, who was the other gentleman? Oh, she also uh, is he a murderer of Blackie? He could be. That is, if he had a chance at dinner to slip poison in Pierre's food. Oh, but uh, that is not possible. No? Why? Well, tonight, only Mr. Olson ate dinner. Pierre didn't eat or drink anything. Hello, beautiful. I'm glad you waited for me. I'm waiting here because the police told me to, Blackie. And my name is Thompson. Marion Thompson, remember? How could I forget the name or the face? What do you want? A little information. Olson and Pierre had dinner downstairs. Did they come up here later? Yes. They went into Pierre's private office and had an awful row. Then Mr. Olson left. A few minutes later, I heard Pierre typing something, and then he went out in the hall for a second to mail a letter. He wrote a letter to whom? I haven't the slightest idea. Hmm, that's not giving me a very good answer. Maybe you didn't ask the right question. Okay, I'll try another. You look like an intelligent girl. If Roger Olson killed Pierre, he had to buy that poison somewhere. If you wanted to buy poison, where would you get it? I don't know. Drugstore, maybe. 
You couldn't get it there without a prescription. But I'd go to a doctor and get one. You wouldn't know Olson's doctor by any chance. No, but I know Pierre. Shall I get him on the phone? Please. Not at all. You know a lot of phone numbers, don't you? A few. What's yours? I could tell you, but it wouldn't do you any good. My line is busy. It can't always be busy. No, but when it's not, I am. Oh. Dr. Brennan speaking. Oh, one moment, please. Here. Hello? Yes? Uh, doctor, I'm investigating the death of Pierre, the designer. I understand he came to see you from time to time. No, quite often, sir. Oh, I didn't know that, but it doesn't matter. Uh, what does matter is this. Suppose a murderer wanted to obtain poison. How would he go about it? Well, in the case of Pierre, he wouldn't have to go very far. I happen to know he kept the poison in his office. In fact, it was in a prescription he was taking. Poison in a prescription? Certainly. When used as directed, it was harmless. In large quantities, of course, it would prove fatal. Let me understand this. Somebody could have forced Pierre to take an overdose of the medicine you prescribed, and it would kill him. Yes. Hmm. Thank you very much, Doctor. Good night. Good night. Well, the net is settling down over our friend, Mr. Olson. It's too bad, beautiful, your job is gone. It wouldn't have lasted very long, anyhow. Business was awful. We were going to close up. The only one I feel sorry for was his sister. She was so faithful to him. He had a sister? Named Sally Barton. You know, of course, that Pierre's name wasn't Pierre. Yes, I knew that. Well, thanks, beautiful. You've been very helpful. And incidentally, as you probably know, you've also been kind of cold. It's starting to thaw out a little in here. Too late. I've only got 24 hours to prove that Olsen murdered Pierre, and part of it's gone now. I've got to get out of here. No answer yet, huh, Blackie? No, Mary. But we're going to wait. You know, you made me leave my apartment so early this morning, I didn't get a chance to see what I looked like. I shouldn't go calling like this. You look fine, Mary. Besides, Pierre's sister isn't going to care what you look like. Okay. Anyway, nobody seems to be home. Maybe we're at the wrong house. Well, there isn't a number on the door. How can we be sure? Well, the house next door is 247. The telephone book says Pierre's sister lives at 245. I think it did, anyhow. Hey, Blackie, here's a mailbox with several letters in it. Maybe if we look at the envelopes, we can tell if the sister lives here. You amateur detectives are wonderful sometimes. Only sometimes? <laughs> oh, you're wonderful all the time. Oh, say that again. Later. Hey, read this envelope, Mary. The one I just took out of the mailbox. Well, it's addressed to Miss Sally Barton. At least we know we're at the right house anyway. Look at the return address, though, Mary. Even though someone did try to scratch it out. Yes, from Pierre's. It might contain evidence proving that Olsen killed him. Let's open it. This might be the letter Pierre was writing just before he died. But there's a law against opening it. This says, one time I am going to Faraday. If the law has to be broken, let's get the law to do it. Yeah, thanks, thanks, thanks very much. Well, Faraday... What did the post office say? Under the circumstances, it's all right to open the letter, Blackie. Good, let's open it. I'll open it. All right. Open it. I feel like a peeping Tom. I'll feel worse than that if that letter isn't proof who killed Pierre. I'll be peeping through bars. But what does the letter say, Faraday? Well, let me see. Well, come on, Faraday. Let me have it. I'll read it. Thanks. It says, Dear Sally, my business is gone. My health is bad. 
Everything is closing in on me. Yeah? Roger Olson is responsible for everything that has happened to me. And last night, I robbed his safe of every cent he had in the world. Well, that clears up one point, anyhow. Quiet, pal. Let me finish this. It says, I took his money, and I destroyed the IOU I had given him, so that if there is anything left of my business, it will go to you. I have taken poison and will be dead in a few minutes. Goodbye, that's signed Pierre. It's suicide. That's what I've said all along. I've got a note from Pierre in my pocket. I just want to compare this signature before we close this case. Hmm. Yeah. There's no doubt of it. Well, that's that, then. Not yet, it's not. There are two things I still don't understand. What's that? How he could have opened Olsen's safe, and why he signed a personal letter to his sister with his business name. Huh. Wow! What's wowing you, genius? It isn't you. You can bet on that. Let me see that envelope. The letter came in Friday. Yeah, mastermind. You think there's secret writing under the stamp or something? No. No, here's something better than that. What time did the coroner say Pierre died? Around seven last night. Why? Why? Because this letter is postmarked midnight. That's why. Can a dead man mail a letter? Ferdy, get Olson and that Marion Thompson to come down here. We'll have a meeting. And very soon, after the meeting is open, this case will be closed. Will you get going, Blackie? Miss Thompson and Mr. Olson haven't got all day. I'm going to sit back and listen. That's right, Inspector. I'm a busy man. Take it easy, Olson. I'm ready. First of all, let me tell you something. Nobody opened your safe the other night. You did it yourself. And robbed myself? That's right, and robbed yourself. You were insured. You simply hid the cash you took out and stand to have the money duplicated by the insurance company. That's an old trick. I think I'm cleverer than that, Blackie. Oh, you're very clever. Destroying Pierre's IOU made him a suspect. And then, after his supposed suicide and very handy note of confession to his sister, you were in the clear. Only Pierre didn't write that note. Yeah, nuts, Blackie. You yourself said it was his signature. It was his signature, but he still didn't write it. That's where our friend Miss Thompson here comes in. Oh, this is where I go out. You've got no reason to hold me here. Slow down, sister. Your part in the scheme was this. You handed Pierre a lot of mail to sign. He probably read the first couple of letters and then signed a blank sheet of paper without bothering to look at it. That blank sheet later became his supposed suicide note. With your guessing talent, Blackie, you ought to have the weight concession in the comp book. I've got facts to back up my guesses, beautiful. Pierre was dead at 7. I checked and found out that at 7.15 there was a mail pickup from your building. No letter. At 9 there was another pickup. The letter was in that. In other words, Pierre mailed this after he was dead. I mailed the letter. He called me in, gave it to me, and I mailed it myself at 8.30. <laughs> no good, lovely lady. You told me before he mailed it. I can see the headlines now. Beautiful secretary murders designer. Puts enough arsenic in water glass to kill employer who had been taking arsenic in small doses, of course, to cure ailments. Well, well, if she killed Pierre, I guess you don't want me any longer. Oh, it's Roger, is it? Roger, you can't run out on me. You planned this whole thing. You said it was foolproof. It was foolproof. Only I'm not a fool. Roger. Shut up, Marion. I never intended that Pierre should die. That was your idea. You were in love with him, and he wouldn't have anything to do with you. It was your idea to poison him. My idea? Yes. 
You said, you said I'd get half of the money from the insurance company after you collected your claim. You had as much to do with killing him as I did. You can't believe her. You must I confess. I, I robbed my own safe, but I didn't kill Pierre. You've got to believe that. I didn't kill him, no. Now I'll tell you something, Faraday. All Pierre wanted from me that day in his salon was Mary's address. Well, that winds up your case. And these two characters also wind up behind the eight ball. Thank <laughs> you.